Hey everyone, welcome to the latest episode of Vinylism, and on this one we have our returning champion, Kimo. What's up, man? Hello, guys. Thank you for listening, and hopefully you are listening instead of vacuuming the house right now. Like <laughs> I should be. That's right. The crowd goes wild. Because <laughs> you got your air conditioning fixed, and we said they left a little bit of a mess for you. Yeah, so I had to impromptu clean that up. Nice. Well, so that was a job. And we got and we got uh, Kenny with us tonight. What's going on, Kenny? What's happening, guys? What's Good to be back. Yeah. It's been a little while since we've done one of these. So uh, tonight we're going to be talking Tool, all things Tool. And uh, you know, supposedly they have a new album coming out later this summer, and it's definitely August thirtieth. Yeah, August thirtieth is what they're is what they're teasing. And it's definitely always an event when a new Tool album comes out because it's been, what, 13 years? Yeah. yeah I tend to believe the hype at this point. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of, a lot of talk about it coming out on the 30th. Yeah. And uh, it seems to be making the ways and they, around. They got a couple of tunes up from their live shows. So I think it's coming. Obviously, they recorded something too since you know, there was like pictures of them in the studio and whatnot with Evil Joe, so, yeah, I think we're finally getting this thing, and, uh, so, obviously we don't have the new album to talk about, maybe we'll do another one for that one, but, uh, I thought we would just generally talk about the band and their albums on this one, and, you know, just kind of talk all things Tool, so I'm sure you guys are as big a fan as I am, so, how did you guys discover the band, get exposed to them? Kenny, you want to go? Well, um, sure. My my uh, first live introduction to seeing them play was pretty awesome. Uh, it was an infa infamous gig that they did at the Church of Scientology in Hollywood, which is kind of crazy. Don't ask me how or why that happened, but it did. And the uh, sweet thing about it, too, is that they had Failure opening up for them on that gig, and I had never heard of Failure either. And uh, it was the first time I saw them play, so... It's pretty awesome, pretty badass show. And nice. interestingly, I just found that apparently a good part of that show is up online on YouTube. If, uh, if any of you out there want to check that out, you should send me that. Pretty cool stuff. Send me that link, I and mean, I like to see that. Yeah, me too. I'd love to see that. Yeah. Did you say he was banging at the crowd, Kenny? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was making sheep noises at the crowd kind of uh, egging some people on it was he was a pretty intense dude Maynard was back in those days man uh, and you know he had his like kind of sort of mohawk pulled back long hair and uh, he was kind of a uh, intimidating guy man he would be giving evil looks to the, the people in the front row watching the show like while he was while he was singing doing the song so it was intense man it was good stuff I've actually just found these links online, so I'm gonna have to go back and relive some of that, some of that show. But what year? Uh, what year would that have been? I mean, obviously early '90s. '92, '91. Yeah, because somewhere was around there. Yeah, it was maybe '90. It might have even been '93. I think Obiet was out. Oh, okay. So Undertow I, came out in '93 of April 6, 1993. Yeah, so, well, at least going by this video online that I'm looking at, it says 93. Uh, 
So yeah. I'm guessing that. I mean, I, I so I had heard of Tool before then, but this was the the first time that I saw them play live. So yeah, it's awesome. it pretty cool. I mean, I, I I got turned on to them through some friends because uh, I um, at the time had uh, a good friend of mine who was uh, a drummer that I was playing with. He went to high school with Brad Wilk, who was the drummer for Rage Against the Machine, and Rage Against the Machine was just making waves back in those days, and uh, they were the guys that, the Rage guys were the ones that turned me on to Tool, because uh, that's how I first heard about them. That's awesome. <laughs> and wasn't there some overlap between Rage and Tool early on, didn't they jam? Well, Adam and Tom Morello were roommates at one point, if I recall correctly, but... Uh, I'm not sure what school it was. That is something I'll have to research again and where I ask my friend what the correlation is between raging tools. Adam wasn't part but, uh, of part of lockup. That was just Tom Morello's thing, right? His early band. Yeah. Adam was playing perhaps bass, but I'm not sure for lockup or not. That's oh. something it's like in the back of my head that I can't remember right now, but so when I got introduced, or, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, when was the first time you, you guys got to see the play live and got the full tool experience? Well, Kima, what was your first, like, how did you get into them, like, obviously? I got into, the first time I saw anything related to tool was the Sober video, and uh, I was captivated by just the stop motion animations that they did for the video as well as prison sex and the first time I saw them live was for Lollapalooza 92 3 nice 3 93 yeah I think it was with uh Alice Chains Alice Chains Primus uh sweet yes don't I'll have to look that up but uh Tool was on as soon as I walked into the play, so I didn't catch the entire performance. What was it? And then Rage Against Machine played also. Oh, wow. Too. So they played on the main stage, and their both bands were captivating. And of course, Maynard guested on Know Your Enemy with Rage. Nice. So and that was and then, cool. then Lane Staley guest on Opiate Live at Lala. I've heard a recording yeah. of that. It's pretty awesome. That, and then Maynard and a bunch of other musicians from the Lalo lineup played with uh, Allison Chains for Rooster. Amazing. So there's a bunch of like guitarists and bass players and backup singers for that. So I know Maynard was doing backup for Rooster at that time. Nice. That was Amazing. my exposure to the band. It's very similar. I saw the Sober video, which, you know, it's really nothing like that on MTV at the time. It was pretty, you know, strange video with the stop motion and dark, heavy music, you know. And uh, I think one of my friends got the CD of Opiate, or uh, no, Undertow, and uh, ended up giving it to me. I still have his copy, I think. And uh, just getting deep into that album, like, so interesting at the time. There's a lot of layers to it, just like all their stuff. And, uh, it took time, obviously, for me to get into it, but that was also my first experience for the band was seeing the video. So, 
Yeah, the tower. Headbangers Ball. Headbangers Ball. It's probably yeah. where I'm sure that's where I saw yeah. it too. Yeah, that's where I saw Sober. Yeah. Yeah, it's good times for music back then. Yeah. Especially with their all their weird videos. So. Well, that was like the only medium for us to even hear about bands was Headbangers Ball because all the other stuff was just like either 120 minutes, which is good stuff, and all yeah. the stuff that they played were just regular videos. We didn't, for the three of us, I would say, like, maybe we all gravitated toward Headbangers Ball to get all the heavier stuff out. I mean, they're definitely, system. They're definitely yeah, playing. Yeah, it's pre-internet, man. Not, no internet in the early days, man, the early 90s. I had Opiate on cassette. That was my first tool purchase. Do you still <laughs> have it? Do you still have Opiate? I I don't know. I'd have to look in. I, I got some cassettes stashed away in a box somewhere. I, I'm not sure if I still have it. And then, uh, speaking of cassettes, we got to mention the demo, which, Kimo, you have. 72686, I think it is. Uh, 72826. And that has, gosh, I almost want to go over there and grab it right now just to see the song titles on there. But yeah, I've had that since 90. There were copies laying around in Larkin. Lurkin's office, which was Tools Management at the time, around, I think Tyrone was working there at 95 to 97. So he got me a copy of that, as well as the Paul Moore demos, which came later, around like um, 90, late 95, early 96. No, it had to be, because Arma came out. 96. 96, September 17th, so I probably got the Paul Moore demos in late 95. So and those are just four songs that Paul co-wrote. So the original bassist. Yeah, the original bassist, Paul Moore. Yeah. So is that his solo stuff you're talking about, that 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 tape? Is that after uh, Tool? No, that, the, well, the four songs were, were Anima songs. Okay, right. And... It was Eulogy, Stinkfist, uh, Push It, and... Anima, um, yeah, that, which he co-wrote or wrote. Different, different, different lyrics, kind of, you're in development at the time. And of course, Paul wrote some really interesting ambient sounds with his bass and, like, a wind, bass winding pedal. Nice. Uh, apparently, Paul's... Uh, Recently joined up with Ministry. No, he's going to be really? playing bass for Ministry. With Al Jorgensen. Yeah. Yeah. He's been touring. Yeah, he's been touring with them. I hope that goes yeah. well for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw some some rumors circulating. You know, I, I see these trending stories, whatever, pop up in news headlines that some some old story about uh, Al Jorgensen uh, accidentally given. Uh, like LSD laced bottle of whiskey to, uh, I think it was to, to Maynard and, and Paul. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that basically Al was like, yeah, you know, I, that's what I did back in those days. I just, you know, put yeah. some liquid LSD in my whiskey and drink half a bottle of whiskey on stage. And he saw them backstage and was like, Hey, what's up here? Here, have a shot. And they, they got dosed kind of oh, accidentally because he, he was high and forgot it was laced. <laughs> I'm sure that was an inter interesting trip. Probably bring some good, good acid. That's, that's what happens when you play, when you play with ministry. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into the albums. We've kind of started talking about them, but, uh, 
we'll go through an order. Opiate. Does anyone have the record? I see the record all over. And it's like, I have at Amoeba they sell for like ten bucks. So yeah. At least the, yeah. So it's inexpensive and relatively affordable to buy at the moment. Besides getting, trying to get Anima. Right. Which is, well, the original pressing is goes for like I don't know, like now a little less than or a little more than half a grand to a grand. Really. Yeah, I sold a sealed copy a couple of years ago. No, I sold it around 2007 or eight for about 450. Wow. Well, we'll get to Anima in a second, but Opiate, like yeah. I don't own it. Kimo, what's the pressing you have? It's probably just the most, one of the more recent ones. No, actually, I've had the pressing that came out at the same time as Anima. Uh, they released all like up until Anima, like. Undertow, Opiate, Anima, those three albums at once on LP. So I bought Undertow, all three of them, and I bought two copies of Anima. <laughs> nice. Smart. Yeah. Opiate, great album. Like, I love the title song. It's, I love all of it, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's a great song, yeah. Paul Diamore, Adam, and Danny Maynard. Just four of those guys making those weird sounds. Also, the trippy thing about Opiate is the gaping Lotus experience. Yeah, the the hidden song. track, track 6B, <laughs> when he sings yeah. about, uh, he had a friend that took some acid, so. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a good one, man. Like I said, I had that one on cassette, and uh, I, uh, I burned that one out quite a bit back then, so I, I, I don't know if I still have it, but if I do, it's probably a pretty darn worn cassette at yeah. this point. Yeah, it came out March 10th, 1992 in the U.S. CD, cassette, LP. I mean, it went platinum, according not, to RIAA. It's not bad. I'd love to have the vinyl copy. I'm going to have to grab one. I do have the CD, of course. I think they, my friend was telling me that they released 5,000 CDs, right. not LPs or cassettes. That's what it was. Uh, so recently... Like anniversary, anniversary edition, right? It's this 2013 thing when they re-released it. It was like four different covers with different art, and I think they were all signed. And I think there were only 5,000 copies of those. So it was, of course, like super expensive. And uh, those are still going for a fair bit of money used. Yeah. So, yeah, Sweet. Opiate, great album, Undertow. Who has this one? Kima, I know you have the record, right? Yeah, I definitely have this April 6, 1993, double LP. And my buddy gave me a, a promo copy of the gray vinyl of the single disc without disgustipating. Nice. So you have an older copy that's a double LP also, like an original? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, uh... I remember probably earlier this year, I think I saw the filming, video, VHS filming of Disgustipated when they're in the studio filming the shotgun blast toward a piano. Yeah, yeah. And uh, subsequently it was taken down by Sylvia Massey after that. Well, why, so the, so for a little bit. Her, I guess the, is their producer, like, Sylvia Massey, who did, she did Opiate and Undertow. Yes. Why would you want to take yeah. it down, I wonder? 
I think she just didn't want to. It was. It could be them, the band, or Sylvia Massey taking, asking for it to be taken down because she probably want to release it herself to get the video content seen online. So to get the hits. Yeah. From video from watching it so many times. Kenny, you have uh, this one, right? You have Undertow. Uh. Not on not on vinyl. I don't. I had that one on CD. Uh, so it's it's in my my CD stacks, which is a separate separate animal. But uh, classic album, man. I yeah. mean, it's that was kind of the breakthrough, you know, back on back in the day um, when K Rock uh, and I think K Rock was probably the main place that was playing it. But Silver was was getting spun quite a bit, and that's when they. Oh, like yeah. it really took off. Yeah. And, you know, Prison Sex, of course, too. Like, that song was pretty popular, but I don't think it was as big of a uh, a radio track right. as Sober. And, uh, yeah, that's when they really, like, blew up and, and started just creating their diehard fans that, that just really dug it. It's a really dark, interesting album, and I really kind of miss the shorter punchier songs of this album you know which they all go very kind of different places you know within yeah. four five six seven minutes but you know it's very like kind of just in your face and powerful and of course you know we got henry rollins on doing spoken word on one song bottom bottom <laughs> which yeah. it's pretty cool it's uh so i have the there is a recorded version of uh, Maynard doing the sermon part of Bottom. That's I think I've heard that, that. Recorded or live. I've heard of live um, maybe of that. The live version is definitely out there, but the studio version, they did record one with Maynard doing that, and uh, I have a copy of it. I'll send it to you guys. Yeah, I like to hear that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It was on cassette, so I don't transferred and all mastered again so i'll send it to you guys now, i do have a two, uh 2006 reissue of this album i believe that's the year it's from it's on tools dissectional label or at least they had something to do with it and uh, it's, imprint, a, yeah. it's their imprint it's a double lp it sounds pretty good i had it on a few weeks ago actually and i noticed some like trouble spots on it i swear there's like a volume drop during like crawl away or one of the songs, like I was like, that sounds weird. So it's a pretty good pressing. Uh, it has Disgustipated all on side D. It has all the trippy stuff at the very end, where after the crickets chirping, where the guy is telling the story about waking up. You know, it's pretty weird stuff. All on there. Uh, definitely like to hear a nice new, very nice pressing of it. I would definitely buy that. So, right on. Yeah. Are we ready to move on to Anima? Oh yeah. So this is really the one. Classic. Yeah. yeah. Someone walk me through Anima. Kimono, you have kind of a personal, uh, in this time period, go ahead and talk Anima before, for us. Before Paul Dumore left the band for creative differences and et cetera, et cetera, um, Paul did perform at with Tool at the time at the Grand Olympic Auditorium. And it was... Uh, there was Wood Pussy opened, and also a band called Laundry, which was Tim Herb Alexander from Primus's side project. 
and they played, um, I think, three of the four Paul songs on the Automa demo, which would have been Eulogy. Uh, I don't think Push It was played that much. I don't remember. I'll have to look at, see if there's a live. I think there's a live version video of it on YouTube. Uh, Sing Fist was played and Eulogy. And I think they did play uh, No Quarter for the first time. Nice. In 95. And I miss that place. Now it's turned into like a Korean church, I think. Oh. <laughs> which is very unfortunate. But, uh, but um, yeah, Onoma came out September 17th, 1996 on LP and then uh, October 1st was when they released it on CD and cassette. That's what Discog says, yeah. Yeah. So I remember going to... I worked at the time for a record store in Northridge called Tempo Records. And uh, I went to the distributor the Friday before the uh, Tuesday that it was released. Tuesdays used to be the original release date for music yeah. back in the day. And uh, I guess... In the recent years, they've been pushing it to Fridays as being a release day. Right. But uh, the Tempo distributor, what they called, but uh, I picked, went to Simi Valley, picked it up, picked up two copies of Anima, and Undertow and Opiate that came out that year, I believe. I'll have to look at Discog to see if they have those release dates for the, those pressings. I'll have to look into that. I'm curious if it has that information in there for 96. So did you always buy two copies of stuff or you were just like, I want two copies of this Tool album? Back in, back in the day, I used to buy two copies of everything, except at the time, I didn't buy two copies of Undertow and Opiate. And I just went for Automa, just like, hey, okay, well, I'll spend half my paycheck for all these vinyls. <laughs> yeah, so. I got to ask real quick, and Kenny will get you in here. Yeah. Uh, the record doesn't have the multi-image lenticular stuff, right? Oh, it was the just, lenticular stuff, yeah. It was just regular. It's just single image, just uh, image of the, the smoke box. Right, and the eyes. The angel, the little cupids with the demon, the purple <laughs> scalpel guy with the eye on his head, the third eye guy. Um, yeah, it was a single image, but it's a gatefold. Nice. So it has, it has inserts for the artwork with, uh, who's a comedian? Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks, Bill Hicks painting with Maynard. Another, patient. another dead hero. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how's that sound? How's the original sound? I played it a few times back in the day and it sounded excellent. Yeah. I mean... I was like, holy shit, I barely played it, but I still have one copy that's open. I'll have to bring it over to a record party when you can see this. like to hear it, because that was when, yeah. this is when David Botterill Botter took over Botterill. producing, and uh, yeah. I think it had a kind of thicker sound. It's, at what point did Justin Chancellor come in, the new bassist? Was it during this? But during Automa, yeah. That so, was his first, first album with... Cool. So did he yeah. he play on this and Paul Diamore did not play on the he finished? He just co-wrote some songs right. with Tool before they 
went to the studio with Justin. Yeah, so it's all Justin on here. He becomes a full-time yeah. member, as he is still to this day. Kenny, what do you yeah. think of this album? I know you like this one. Uh, to me, this is this is the pinnacle of, of what they've recorded. Um, like, it, it's kind of the bridge between the shorter, punchy songs, like on the earlier stuff, like you mentioned, and then the crazy, epic, you know, psych metal jams and this, the stuff that they start getting into, like the more proggy stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, I can still remember the day that uh, I brought, I, I, of course, didn't have the vinyl time but i got the cd and uh was waiting for this like hotly anticipating it to be released and brought it home the day it came out and of course i was smoking a lot of the ganj back in those days <laughs> i remember like rolling a big spliff lighting up and then you know peeling the the, the the plastic you know wrap off of the cd and popping it in there and and throwing this thing on and it just being blown away yeah it was uh it was it was pretty amazing, man. It's uh, to me, I, like I said, that that one like really left a, an imprint on me, and I think I feel like for me, it's kind of the pinnacle of of what they've done. Between, no, they, they've had great stuff ever since then too. But like you said, I, the the sound quality on the recording, I really like that that thicker, chunkier tone that they had. Like they had a real, real solid, heavy, full tone that I think the earlier albums really didn't have it was different different tone right. stylistically and uh this one you know there's some great songs on there um you know like like the title track anima anima <laughs> that one uh you know learn to swim you know i mean so it's just some pretty badass stuff man it's yeah. a, a great album it's great i remember on k-rock uh you used to have the radio jingles or the commercials for them. And sometimes the announcer or person radio host would say anima. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, it's, <laughs> you know how to pronounce it. I was like probably a junior in high school when this thing came out, maybe a sophomore in 96. Can't remember where that fell. But uh, my other buddy kind of went on to really get into Tool and got this album before, got into it before the rest of us. And I think... At least probably the last few years of high school, we listened to this thing every damn day. Like, we'd be out, you know, getting high, and I'm sure it was played at least once a day for several years, and several years after that. Um, yeah, it's a really good album. Standouts on here for me, Push It, incredible song. Eulogy is amazing. Both, like, around eight to nine minute songs. But, uh, 46 and 2 46 and 2 is like that's, that's another thing amazing song and lyrically I think they took a big jump on this album the stuff he's singing about here is very like you know it's still dark but it's a little more metaphysical I guess however you want to say it mm -hmm. like I watched one of these reaction videos on YouTube to someone hearing Tool for the first time and they're playing 46 and 2 and uh they're showing the lyrics on the screen. I hadn't looked at these lyrics in a long time. I'm like, wow, it's really interesting. Like the stuff he's singing about. It's just they're definitely on another level. They they definitely got to another level with this album. So mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. It had that that vibe of like um, that of just sort of transcending, man. Just going going deeper than just typical 
simple music, you know, something that was more like touching deep into like the human psyche and the meaning of life and existence and whatever, right? Like something that, that great art does kind of transcends just the everyday. And this album definitely for me did a lot, had a lot of that in there. Yeah. Kimo, Absolutely. I got to ask before we move on. So you helped with the video for Anima, the title track. Yeah, my friend Tyrone, uh, aka Mr. Death, back in the day on Toolshed. Dot, no, is it Toolshed, Toolshed dot down, down dot net. net was Kabir's website, and so when he started working for Larrikin, uh, Adam and Ted Gardner, who was the manager of Tool at the time. Um, he asked, he knew that Tyrone was a radio television film major from CSUN, so he asked to help out with like doing some principal photography for the Anima video. And since uh, he worked, Tyrone worked on both Skinfist and Anima, and so the f unfortunate thing was for Skinkfist, I would have been there to help out, but I got lost and I was driving in Ontario and I couldn't find the ah, oh no. place. So I, this is pre Google Maps, so right. it's, it's like, like Thomas Guide. When I finally got there, yeah, it's the Thomas I Guide was days. So lost. I was on the road for at least two hours. I'm like getting so frustrated, and but Anima, I filmed, helped do gaffing, lighting. Gaffing is a technique of changing out screens for the lighting, and so I did three scenes. And they worked from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m., roughly. And so those were Adam's hours that he worked, like to work. And there's like three sets set up at the same time. And it was a really interesting experience. And these creatures were about a, roughly a foot tall. I took some photos, or I brought a, uh, one of those disposable cameras. Yeah. And I forgot to take pictures, and then Tyrone took some pictures with, with them, and subsequently Adam took the negatives. <laughs> and I only have like exposures that were done really large, uh, like I did for a pro for a speech project for college, and I showed that, and I still have those, luckily. But uh, yeah, I don't have those photos anymore. It's like an awesome experience, though, to be you know working on actual video. Yeah. And were, were these the only fun. those are the only two videos they made off this album, Stink Fist and Anima? I know like H right. was played on the radio. I don't think they made a video for yeah. it. This is yeah. Yeah, they yeah. played. They played forty six and two on the radio. Yeah. Anima, H, and Stink Fist. Yeah. Yeah. This is also my, this era was the first time I saw the band, would have been 97, Lollapalooza, uh, Tool, Korn, Snoop Dogg, uh, the Tool show was Psychotica. Psychotica, I do remember them. I think that was, a, that was the year before, I think. I think that was 96. Or was it 96? Yeah. But uh, Tool was going on right as the sun was going down, and of course Adam and Justin Chancellor come out painted blue, and Maynard comes out with the kabuki mask and like the fake rack. You know, and looking all freaky, and it was just you know, for the first time seeing them, it's pretty damn memorable, amazing show, in support of this album. So, set the bar really high. 
Good I'm stuff. Remember, was he in the back or was he in the front? This like is, he used to be in the old days. This is still when Maynard was pretty much in the front, I believe. Like front. okay, okay, yeah. Because I think during lateralis is when he's right he's, would be placed in the back near Danny. Yeah, just kind of in the shadows. Yes. But I'm going to throw you guys a cur curveball really quick and talk about sure. Salivol really quick, the live album. Oh yeah. Which is also amazing in its own way. Kenny, did you get this one? This came with a DVD or VHS CD combo. No. That's one I don't have, no. It's hard to get. It is. Yeah. My buddy went... My buddy had the VHS CD combo, so... I got the DVD and CD combo. Nice. So... Uh, that was... That came out December 12, 2000. And... Yeah, they did come out with the VHS version. The... Uh, DVDs came with all four videos that they previously released, and it had actually it had Hush on there too. So yeah. there's five videos. Yep, I see that. And little, and according to the Wikipedia, Ken Andrews produced or directed the uh, Hush video. Oh really? In '92. <laughs> the yeah, black, the black and here. white one. That's funny. Weird. Yeah, I know they were friends. I mean, uh, that first show that uh, I saw with uh, Tool and Failure, the Church of Scientology show, uh, <laughs> Maynard came out when he was on stage and and, and uh, addressed the crowd, you know, and said like basically something along the lines of like, if you guys didn't appreciate Failure, you haven't evolved enough, <laughs> you know, like. So, <laughs> Sounds like Maynard. He's giving them some some praise, man, and I know that they uh, they had a friendship and and uh, you know shared some musical stuff, uh, interactions and things throughout the years. Yeah. The version of Push It on on Salival is, I think, fucking amazing. Like long. Oh yeah, the extended version. Yeah, with the, t the tabla and very good. And they did a loke. Yeah. A loke, yeah. And then they did No Quarter on here. It's the studio version, I believe. I don't think that's live. Is that right, Chemo? No Quarter is a studio version that, back in the day, Howard Stern wanted on his Private Parts soundtrack. But then the guy said, can we give you another track instead? But he said, no, I heard this No Quarter song, and you guys should put it on my soundtrack. But then the guys refused, and that's what... There was a feud between Howard Stern and Tool back in the day, and I think it's been brought on again with this Justin Bieber bullshit where he says like, are you bummer, being a bummer about a big position <laughs> being a fan of your music? I never heard of the her, Howard, Howard Stern Toll feud. I never had heard of that. That was on the radio mainly when uh, Howard Stern was promoting his Private Parts movie. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to get as many artists, like big artists on there. He had Horn of Papyrus, which featured Flea on bass and Dave Navarro on guitar. And Perry. And Green Day did a cover of a King song. Yeah. For me... But they didn't get no quarter. Yeah, I can't picture that on the soundtrack for a Howard Stern comedy. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I mean, I remember when this came out, and it was kind of like everyone was dying for more Tool stuff. This is kind of like a little t like taster, like you know, to hold you over till the next. I mean, they're having legal problems at this time. I think I remember hearing, and so you had this kind of hybrid 
studio or like live studio album, like you know where they there's a part where they fade out the applause, live applause to like them like clapping in the studio. Oh, it's pretty, yeah, pretty damn funny. Like you know, little stuff like that, and of course LAMC at the end and all that shit. Like you know, it's a. Of course, they do the Peach song "You Lied" with King Buzzo on guitar from the Melvins. I mean, it's. Justin actually does backup singing vocals on that too. It was Justin's band, right? Justin Pe Chancer. Pe Peach. Yeah, it was Justin's original band. Yeah. yeah which. And didn't Adam do the artwork for like one of their albums? Yeah, the reissue. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a good one. I just wanted to throw you guys a curveball on that one, but of course, Lateralis was the next. Actually, before we get into Lateralis, like, there kind of was a feeling that like maybe Tool was going to break up. Do you guys remember this? At least this is what people uh, thought, because Maynard went and did Perfect Circle, and right. between Anima and Lateralis, and there was a feeling. There, there was there was a big issue between Adam and Maynard at the time, and it was because. Uh, Adam Jones had fired a lot of their personnel that works for, worked for Tool at the time. Accountants, lawyers, uh, everything under the sun that helps a band like survive and become... Yeah, fun be functional. Yeah, to be functional. So Maynard was like, well, what are you doing? Why, why are you firing all these people? They're good people. And then he fired Ted Gardner. And I, I remember Tyron telling me that Danny Carey walked into the Larrikin office with like tears in his eyes and said, we have to let you go. But subsequently I heard that Ted was stealing money. Oh, I'm not sure if that's factual or I'm not sure, but your Adam was just like a loose cannon just firing everyone and left and right and Maynard was not having it. So there's so some much good. There's there's some disagreements between Maynard and Adam at the time. And uh, is relating to the, all those people that they let go, and uh, so Maynard started writing lyrics about Adam for the latter Alice album. And from what I heard, is that some of the songs are about Adam. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're bound uh, you're bound to have some issues, man, when you're going on the road and and touring as much as they did, and band that's as big many demands on them as, as they had it's pretty amazing man when you see any band that stays together for that long yeah you know with, without that's why it's kind of rare you don't see that many bands that that just really stand i mean decades of craziness man to think of like uh what opiate came out in 92 you know so it's like they've almost been a band for 30 years it's crazy you know? <laughs> or when you consider when they formed before their yeah it was released right like, early 90s you know, make me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> but we did get another album, several more, and luckily, and the next one was Lateralis, which also it was the first album with the artwork by Alex Gray, which is some pretty trippy stuff. And second recording with uh, David Bottrell. Yeah, David Bottrell came back, and uh, awesome. I remember when this came out, and... Uh, yeah, I definitely like this one for different reasons than the one that came before. Uh, there's some great stuff on here, and they sound like they were kind of trying to evolve their sound, kind of push it, push their sound a little more. Push it. Yeah, push it. And uh, 
<laughs> so there's a whole kind of like, you know, I don't know how you would describe this, like the theme of this album. I mean, it's like, Kimo, what do you think of this one? This is like the molting of, of a creature that's evolving ever yet. So good way to put it. This album, this album is like, oh my gosh, the artwork that they put into this with Alex Gray, just like the peeling of the levels and layers of pages in the booklet of Laterals is like, it's ahead of their time. And uh, this album came out May fifteenth, two thousand one, in the U.S. and I. I think the patient's like my favorite song on this record. That's probably mine too. Great track. So yeah. Parabola, parabola, of course. Parable and parabola, great yeah. tracks. Which, Another great one too. Which they had a video for. Um. Like Schism, of course. I think that was like the single. The first single, yeah. Yeah, the first single, yeah. It's a pretty good song. And they released these on DVDs too. The the videos that they did for Schism Parabola. Yeah, so I got Parabola, Parabola, which the video has Tricky in it, right? Is that who that was? Yeah, it's Tricky. Yeah, and uh, Kenny, what do you think of this one? I know you kind of have some thoughts on this one, Lateralis. Uh, yeah, I gotta be honest, I, I have like mixed feelings about it. Uh, I remember I was super pumped for it at the time when it first came out, and I was kind of a little bit disappointed it didn't it really didn't grow on me the way the previous albums had and so there's some good tracks on it but like i really never i really never grabbed onto it and had it like in high rotation in my playlist i would say um so i don't know it's one of those ones i've tried to like go back to it a couple of times through the years and get into it but some of it i, I feel like feels like to me in some senses they were starting to lose some of the song craft and getting more into just these heavy winding epic jams that kind of went all over the place. I guess that didn't grab me as much at the time. Yeah. So. Yeah. I agree sort of with Kenny. Uh, from what I've been, what I've heard about this particular album is that when uh, they record Ticks and Leeches for Lateralis, uh, Maynard blew out his vocals right after recording the song. So disposition and reflection didn't have very much vocals from Maynard because these were the two last songs that they were going to work on for vocals. But uh, subsequently after him uh, breaking his vocal cords, um, he just didn't want to put into putting any lyrics or vocal nuances on, on those particular long songs. I mean, this whole, this, this whole album had to be rough on his voice, like that long scream during the first track, The Grudge. Grudge. Right? Like, he, he holds this long scream and just like... 16 bars, yeah. It had to be rough. I mean... Yeah. And the title track, of course, I think is pretty, pretty amazing on here. Oh, yeah. Fibonacci sequence, yeah. baby. <laughs> we won't even get into that madness, but... Kimo, do you have the record? Do you have the picture disc? I have the picture disc. It's I wish it was like the layers, but it's it's actually each side has like a layer of 
part of the layer of the human that's being unveiled. It's pretty nice. It looks awesome. I've always wanted to buy it, but I've heard it does not sound that great. Yeah. Being a picture disc. I don't know. Other people have said it's not bad. I haven't bit the you bullet on that. At least through the tool army, the signed version, which is actually the signatures into the vinyl. Really? They're like vinyl, not, not etching, but uh, imprinted into the vinyl, the wax. That's cool. So there's there's those limited versions where their signatures are in the wax itself. So. Yeah. I'm reading some interesting notes on it too. That that you know, with with them moving into doing these long, epic, you know, eight, nine, ten minute songs and things like that, that uh, you know, for the for the time it it was even troubling for uh, trying to format it and put it on a CD because you only got so much musical space you can put on a disc, and. Yep. Uh, so they uh, kind of made it difficult, and even on some of the vinyl releases that they couldn't, even on a double vinyl release, they couldn't fit the tracks on the sides in the order yeah. that, they, that they recorded them, so they had to shift some songs around to, to make it balance out and fit, so mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure this fills a whole CD up. This would have been a double or triple vinyl back in the day, you know, obviously. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah, back when everyone used to fill up the whole CD with music, 80 minutes. But, yeah, back, back before the whole, like, you know, social media and smartphone and short attention span, <laughs> you know, kind of culture took over. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I told you the guys this the other day. Uh, this came out in May 2001. Uh, they were touring for this in September of 2001. Uh, they were in Ohio the week of 9-11. So 9-11 happened on a Tuesday. We had tickets to see Tool, I believe it was in, yeah, it was up in Cleveland that Saturday, whatever that Saturday was. So very tense, kind of weird atmosphere, you know, after 9-11. And, you know, we get to see up there to see them. And Maynard's like, I want to talk about what happened. And he's like, and, uh... <laughs> Between songs, he's saying this, and he's like, we just got our asses kicked. And then people start chanting USA, you know. And he's like, hold on, this is not a political forum. He's like, we need to make something that's going to heal everyone. And everyone's chanting USA and all this stuff. I think what they were trying to do, I don't want to say what they were trying to do with this album, but like, you know, raise people's consciousness. And, you know, at that time, I think things were going very in a negative way, and maybe they still are. But uh, we'll talk about that more with the next one. But uh, just a, a really kind of it was a weird, weird time to see them. Obviously, at that time, so still a great, still a great show. Yeah, two thousand one was uh, an intense year for us here in the states. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, and that brings us to our their last recorded album thus far that's been released, Ten Thousand Days, which came out in two thousand six. May 2nd. Yeah, right around the time of, kind of around the same time of year as Lateralis in 2001. So, hit me with your thoughts on this one. Uh, 10,000 Days, let's see. Um, my favorite track would have to be Riding 2. It's a great song. 
What about you, Kenny? Do you have a favorite? Uh, I don't know. I guess uh, I this one, like I said, I started to kind of lose a little bit of my my uh, my uh, interest in, in Tool. I wasn't as, as intensely into them as I was earlier, like after Lateralis. So I think this one would probably be uh, Vicarious or The Pot, maybe. Um, there's some good stuff on this album for sure. I actually saw them play live on this tour. Um, got to go and see them uh, here at the Staples Center in LA, and pretty pretty awesome show. They they had uh, ISIS as the opening band. Wow, it's pretty rad. I think. How about you, Adam? I think John B on here is probably my favorite song. It's one of their most intense, heavy. Probably the heaviest jam on this album and they're stretching out a lot on this one obviously and this is really lyrically inspired i guess by the death of maynard's mother so you have the ten thousand days and the wings from marie stuff but uh i like this album and kind of went back going back to what i was just saying about lateralis i feel like it's kind of a feeling of disappointment in humanity on this album like <laughs> to me I mean, they've always kind of had this dark view of humanity, maybe, in their lyrics. Maybe they're hopeful at different times, or... But this one just seems kind of, you know, like the lyrics to write into, you know. Uh, or vicarious, even. Like, I like to watch things die from a good, safe distance. I mean, you know, it's just as dark. Pretty bleak. Pretty bleak. I mean, it's yeah. a bleak album. I, I love it, actually. I enjoy it. And this one has never gotten an official vinyl release, has it? No, just like a un, unofficial, not really sanctioned by the band, but probably profiting off of it. So you have that one, right, Chemo? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like purple and blue, I think. Nice. And the artwork's not official. It's just... It's bare bones. It's like the CD. It's pretty bare bones, yeah. Uh, it's not official, so I wanted to have it. Of course, you know, they always do something cool with the album art now. It's kind of their thing. And they have this, you know, more Al great Alex Gray art on this album. And the little viewfinder thing built into the CD where you could, like, you know, look at the artwork. It was kind of 3D. It's a really nice touch. Yeah, well, there's, you know, like, I, I thought you said you heard a rumor that they were doing... Uh planning to do something trippy with a vinyl pressing well, yeah this new one. I, I, we'll get to that in a second but uh i was gonna bring that up too but uh yeah Ten Thousand days i think it's kind of an underrated album a lot with some of the tool fans like i think you often hear people say this is their least yeah. favorite i've heard justin bieber likes this one a lot <laughs> bummer <laughs> <laughs> and this one didn't have david botrell producing did it Joe Barisi. yeah evil Joe did this one so who also has yeah. done the, done the new one so those are the albums and speaking of the new one so you know started to hear about them being in the studio again with evil Joe and that they were recording all analog which makes me hope that they're gonna have a nice vinyl release for the new one uh, I frequent the Steve Hoffman forums online who 
Steve Hoffman's a ma mastering engineer and has these great music forums and uh, people talking rumor about the tool artwork of the new album that it has some kind of battery built into it and that might be contributing to the holdup of trying to make sure it's safe and I don't know if that's true it'd be kind of like a Pink Floyd Pulse thing I don't know like you guys remember that yeah nice we're just gonna have to wait and see what they come out with yeah there's also been been talking spreading around uh, that, that they're gonna be remastering and reissuing all their albums on right. vinyl at some point in the near future, which no one knows exactly what that means. It's also but, uh, also on the Steve Hoffman boards, there's a thread going on about this. And a member named Adam Hart Brother started commenting about that and made it seem like he was Adam Jones and was kinda of asking people what they wanted to see or, you know, like just uh taking pointers from fans like how they should do the, re the reissues and said they would be done right and with care. This is like about a year and a half, maybe two years ago and I kind of do believe it was him. I don't know. Like I haven't really seen the, the poster since but uh, I do hope they do all new pressings. I hope they're, they have great artwork and great mastering and analog all where possible because I would buy all of them as I'm sure. Yeah. Most people would. So, but I don't think it probably won't happen this year. What do you guys think? The reissues on top of a new album? Probably not. They, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that. Who knows? We wanted to sell the new album. I mean, it'll, it'll. Yeah, we'll see. You never know with you know these guys. Very. So there's two live songs on YouTube, making the rounds of. Yes. Descending and. What was the other song title? In Invincible. Invincible, yeah. What do you think? I saw some pretty good live renditions, and uh, I think it sounds really interesting. Can't wait to hear the studio version. I'll really, yeah. really be able to judge. What do you think of them? I like Invincible a lot. Uh, Descending, I've heard the instrumental version, or saw it live twice, and it's a pretty good song. Uh, the vocal delivery is, I don't know, I'll just have to see what the album will be true to what Maynard's vision is, so right. I'll wait wait till I make a judgment on that, so um, supposedly there's like, what, six or seven songs on this? Have you heard about that? The longest being 11 minutes. Wow. So, so they're all the order, oh yeah, so Buzz came in to listen to the album or their sessions or whatever, said that the shortest song was 12 minutes. Wow. I think, yeah. So. So they're going epic again. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun making a video for that. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Kenny, what do you think of the new ones? Did you check them out? The live I, videos I, making the rounds? I, uh, I did, but I can't say I listened to them that closely. I tried to... Uh, put them on while I was at work uh, one day and the uh, the sound quality wasn't the greatest no. so I kind of figured like ah, just, I'd rather wait waiting to hear it when they release it it's kind of where I'm high at. quality it's kind of where I'm at with it I did check them both out but um, yeah I mean either way we're getting a new album it seems like so mm -hmm. about a month away so I'm excited I don't know Kimo I'm sure you're excited Kenny yeah. You're probably moderately excited. 
<laughs> hey, I, I'm interested to, to to check it out. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to hear, um, you know, what they did after all this time. Yeah, and uh, I'll be interested to hear like the tones and sounds and kind of what kind of vibe they they put together on it. It's not every day you get to buy a new Tool album, so you know. Yeah. Well, I think we've uh, covered the uh, the Tool talk. Yeah. Do you guys have any, any uh, quick recommendations? Let's see. Kenny, I, I know you picked up like some new stuff. Well, I just got the uh, the um, the stork left a uh, little little brown package on my doorstep. It's always fun. This afternoon, the vinyl stork, and uh, I I. Uh, Basically, bought a, a bundle of stuff from Fuzzarama Records, which is the Truck Fighters private label, and uh, didn't have any of the Truck Fighters stuff on vinyl. And they're actually coming to town next month, and uh, kind of re-inspired me to listen to some of their stuff. And uh, I had only uh, recently discovered, pretty recently in the last few months, uh, discovered a couple of the other bands that they have on their label. They've actually got some pretty good bands on that Fuzzarama label. So, uh, along with two of the Truck Fighters albums, I picked up uh, Mania and Universe uh, from the Truck Fighters, and then I got uh, the latest one from a band called Skrik Hodland, or something along those lines. I don't know how they pronounce it in Swedish, but the album's called Iorpe, and uh, it's, it's pretty badass. They, they sing all in Swedish, but apparently it's like sci-fi themed. The Skrik Hodland means like giant lizard or something, sort of like a... Godzilla-like, you know, uh, creature from some kind of, you know, creature film that was released in Sweden, and they had some uh, Swedish sci-fi author wrote some special lyrics for them or, or a story for them that they used to base the, the lyrics on. Pretty good album, and uh, another band on their label called Witch Rider, and uh, this album came out a few years back. I think 2014 might have come out, called Unmountable Stairs. And uh, that one's got kind of a kind of a Caius Queens of the Stone Age sort of vibe going on to it. It's kind of grungy, fuzzy rock. Um, there's another good band on their label uh, called Valley of the Sun. That's that's a good good band too. That just has a new album that came out called Old Gods, I think it is. So uh, yeah, Fuzzarama Records, Truck Fighters, Witch Rider, it's great. Coldland, some some good shit. Cool stuff. Nice. Uh, myself, I got the new failure. In the future, your body will be the furthest thing from your mind on double vinyl. It's finally been made available online, and it's a great pressing. I love the album. highly recommend that one. And I also got the reissue of the Doves, or just Doves, first solo out or first studio album, uh, Lost Souls, which they just re-released the first three, three I think, studio albums by dubs and that was the first one and my favorite and uh sounds really good gray vinyl grab that one if you can highly recommended Kimo, what do you got stuff most recent grab from amoeba i got the torch first album reissued remastered i believe then i got uh gosh let's see i bought the new baroness record golden gray how is that? Final of the series. I like it. I enjoy it. 
I've been listening to it on Spotify. I see it's spin it on vinyl soon. Cool. So I love love yellow and green, so I decided to get this one. Yeah, and yeah it's pretty nice. I love the artwork. Yeah. John Beisley's yeah. artwork is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, pretty awesome. It's, I uh, I will probably end up getting that one, picking that one up too, because I, I do like me some Baroness. They've got a number of good albums. I know that we've had this debate before about the sound quality and being over-compressed, but I've got the Purple album on vinyl too, and that one, to me, I really like that album. There's some good songs on there. I know you had, uh, I know you had that one on vinyl. That's cool. That was the, most, that yeah. was the last recent one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here's your golden gray, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, final thoughts, chemo. Final thoughts? Well, when I saw the Instagram post for Tool, I was think <laughs> talked to my friend Tyrone about this really shortly, but uh we're thinking Adam probably came up with artwork in fifteen minutes on Photoshop. <laughs> We're talking about the new logo with uh, the new logo with the gold. It's kind of Egyptian looking. Yeah. People are, are kind of ragging on it, and I don't know. I think it looks kind of cool. It's kind of. I think it's cheesy. Yeah, it's a little cheesy, but I could see the flourishes on the T and the L being similar. They're taking advantage of that, but some of the thin lines are like. Ugh. I like how it's kind of the same object mirrored. Like the T yeah. T O and the O L, it's kind of like the same thing backwards next to each other. I, don't know, I think it's neat. Right. Kenny, final thoughts. I I think they should just bring back the uh, the wrench and nuts uh, logo <laughs> that they used to use back in the day. I had a I had a long sleeve T shirt that I bought at one of their shows way back when. I I loved that shirt, and so that's I think they should bring that back. Classic. Yeah. And Kimo, you have the hat still with that on the back, right? The little logo. Yeah. <laughs> that is classic. <laughs> well. well, my final thought is I can't wait to hear this album. So uh, maybe the next time you uh, all hear from us, we'll be talking about that one. So we'll see. So sounds good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for uh, doing this, guys. You guys rock. Yeah. Thank you, Adam, for inviting us. All right, until the next time, keep on spinning. Keep spinning. <laughs> Later. <laughs>